Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we take stock of where the Jets are headed into the holiday break and which teams to worry about in the chase for a playoff spot. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Happy holidays, everyone, from all of us here at Skates and Plates, a.k.a. myself. Hope you guys are staying safe and enjoying some downtime here. For me, as long as I get to watch Elf, wear an ugly Christmas sweater, and eat my weight and stuffing, I know that my holidays have been a complete success. I've already crossed out two of the three there, so I've set myself up nicely for a big weekend ahead, which is great because there's not going to be a whole lot going on in the hockey world for a little bit. We had the early, you know, COVID-enforced holiday pause on the season. The Jets have had two games postponed this past week, and they might have a few more coming up as well. There's a lot of uncertainty as far as the Jets' schedule moving forward, So I I thought with that in mind, you know, not a lot going on this past few days and and probably not a lot to come, you know, by the time we come back later next week with our next episode, I thought we're not quite at the halfway point or in the new year just yet, but why not take a look at the standings? Just take some stock at where the Winnipeg Jets are right now in the regular season, what their playoff chances are, and then which teams in the West carry you know, the most concern when it comes to dampening the Jets' postseason hopes. And I promise it won't be anything corny like the Winnipeg Jets themselves are their biggest concern. I'll give you an actual team or, or a couple of teams in what's shaping up to be a, a pretty crowded race and, and some teams that I don't think any of us really anticipated going into the season being right there in the mix with the Winnipeg Jets. But first, let's take a look at the standings. In case you haven't paid super close attention over the last few weeks... Whatever it may be, it's kind of scary right now for Winnipeg. I don't know, like just looking back, I don't know if every team in the Central kept winning while the Winnipeg Jets were on that big-time slump a few weeks ago, or whatever the reason is, but the Jets are in a pretty, pretty big hole right now, and they're going to have to start digging, you know, to to quote Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons, dig up, stupid. The Jets are going to have to dig up and find a way to get out of this hole that they're in. Because their their playoff chances, which were once so high early on in the season, have taken a major, major blow. So when you look at the Central Division, right now, the cream of the crop, basically 
since the first week of the season has been the Minnesota Wild, despite a four-game losing streak. Minnesota atop the Central with 40 points. Just one point back sees Nashville, probably the biggest surprise in my opinion in the entire league, but Nashville is just one point off the pace with 39. St. Louis right there with them. One more game played than both Nashville and Minnesota, though. In fourth place, not for long, but the Colorado Avalanche, who have gone streaky now that they're all, you know, pretty much healthy and out of COVID protocol. 36 points for the Avs, so three points back of second. Then the Jets, 33 points on the season, so they're three points back of Colorado for fourth. Then you have Dallas, a point back of the Jets, but with a game in hand. And Chicago and Arizona are, are too far back to even mention here. I, I don't think that's going to be a concern moving forward for the rest of the season. So out in the Central, fourth spot right now, 36 points. But Colorado has three games in hand on Winnipeg. It's only a matter of time before I think at least they leapfrog Nashville and St. Louis. And it becomes a bit of a two-horse race for first in the division. Out in the Pacific... Vegas is, you know, maybe not the route we expected them to, but in the spot everybody anticipated them being. They're tied for first in, you know, both the division and in the entire conference with 40 points. Surprisingly, tied with Anaheim. Anaheim and Vegas are tied for first in the Pacific with 40 points apiece. Then you have the Flames and Oilers tied for third and fourth with 36 points apiece, which is the playoff cutoff line right now. Colorado... Calgary, Edmonton, all at 36 points. That's three better than the Jets. Colorado has three games in hand. Calgary, two. Edmonton, one. Then you have Los Angeles. 33 points, 30 games played, exact same as the Winnipeg Jets. And then again, you have, you know, the San Jose's, the Vancouver's, and the Kraken. I don't think we need to worry about those teams. Although maybe Vancouver with the Boudreaux boost. Bruce, there it is. Maybe Vancouver should be worried about a little bit more, but we won't include them in this one. There's there's too many other teams the Jets have to concern themselves about right now. But there it is. I mean, the main thing is right now the cutoff line in the West is 36 points. I mean, take it away the games in hand for just a second. 36 points, and the Jets have 33. They're three points back of the playoff line. Now, three points back doesn't sound that bad. It, it sounds extreme, right? Like two wins in a row for Winnipeg, two losses for one of the other teams. All of a sudden, you're right back in it. I would love to know what what people think the Jets' playoff odds right now, according to you know some of the the models and, and stuff that that are out there. But I wonder what people would put you know Jets fans would put the Jets' playoff odds at right now. I think most people would probably say you know what it's it's a coin flip 50-50. Well, it might be a little more dire than that. <laughs> if you look at the Athletic and their playoff probabilities, the Winnipeg Jets right now. A 30% chance of making the playoffs. A few other playoff models out there. I've seen 40%, 45%, 50% as well was the highest one. That was kind of the outlier. So, I mean, if, if you want to put them all together, the Jets are pretty much, you know, just slightly above a 1-3 in three chance of getting into the playoffs. Which is crazy when we're only talking about three points. Now, you know, a big chunk of that, I assume, is because the other teams do hold games in hand. But again, it just goes to show how damn hard it is in the NHL to make up ground in the standings if you've lost it early on. It's just so, so difficult to gain points. And it's I, I don't want to say a short period of time because there's 52 games left, but it is kind of short. It's that whole 
American Thanksgiving thing where, what is it, like 80%, something like that, of the teams that are in the playoffs are in by the end of the season. It's just so damn difficult to make up ground, and it's all because of the loser point. <laughs> that, that really is it, right? Teams, especially as you get closer to the end of the season, you see the scoring dry up a little bit, not as many power plays as before, and you'll see a, a, pretty much every team in the playoff race pick up something like a half dozen loser points. And it's just so difficult then, even when you go on a prolonged win streak, to pick up any point. I mean, look at Nashville over the past little while. Nashville is on a seven-game win streak. You would think that at that point, the Predators, after winning seven in a row, would be high and dry and not have to worry about a whole lot when it comes to the playoff picture or even just, you know, divisional standings. But if you look at the the teams right around them, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Colorado, Nashville going eight and two in their last 10, they were only able to pick up two points on St. Louis, one point up on Colorado, and three points up on Minnesota. And that's with Minnesota losing four in a row, by the way. That's It's just so, so difficult. Again, three, four points doesn't sound like a whole lot. And look, it can be. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, it probably is a little bit closer to that 30, 35, 40% chance for the Jets to get back into this. And it's going to take a streak like what the Nashville Predators are putting together right now. Like before we even get into the teams that the Jets have to concern themselves with, the next 10 games are so, so damn critical for this team because the Jets are going to have to go on a, a six, seven, eight game win streak to get back up there above the playoff line or win like 14 out of 17. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have to either win a bunch in a row or win forward a row, lose one, win forward a row, lose one. Like it, it's going to take, you know, about 20 games of like 750 hockey for the Jets to not have to worry about finding a miracle just to squeak into the postseason. And the next 10 games, there's an opportunity for the Jets to do that. Interestingly enough here, there's some really, really tough games, but there's some really, really winnable games as well. Five games against no doubt about it playoff teams, but then five games against teams below the playoff line. Four of those five games are against last place teams. You have a game against the Red Wings, who are just below the playoff line in the East. But then you have Ottawa, the Kraken, Coyotes, Chicago as well in that stretch. I mean, right there, I know Detroit's been better than people have anticipated. But those are five must-win games for the Jets, right? Like, now the margin of error is over. No more, oh, no, well, every team loses to a Buffalo and an Arizona throughout the year, right? Like, that, that stuff is done. The Jets... With the position they put themselves in, they cannot afford to drop any games to lesser opponents. I know this has been a hallmark of this team for a while, but they cannot play down to their opposition any longer. So in those five games, if the Jets are able to sweep those five, then just maybe, just maybe you can look at something like an 8-2 record. I know you play, I mean, Minnesota, Calgary, Vegas, Colorado. Those are really, really tough matchups. But if you win those five... Right? All of a sudden, you don't necessarily have to go 4-1 and one against some of the best teams in the Western Conference. Then maybe 3-1-1. One and one, Right? 3-1-1. One and one, You're 8-1-1 one one in your last 10. That's 17 of 20 points. It's going to take a stretch like that for the Jets to, to realistically get themselves back into this one. So these next 10 games are so, so damn critical. I mean, not only from just a standings perspective, but also, you know, the trade deadline won't be too much further ahead after that. 
And if you go on a stretch like that, well, you know what? You don't have to worry about selling off pieces or anything like that. But if there's some struggles and, I mean, God forbid they go below 500 during that stretch, I mean, maybe you do start to look at selling pieces. Maybe all of a sudden Andrew Kopp becomes a really attractive piece for a You know what I mean? Like, the, these 10 games here are going to be so, so critical to the direction of the Winnipeg Jets season. They're going to need to get hot. But at least it's doable. It's tough, no doubt about it. But at least it's doable for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the teams that we need to be concerned about moving forward here, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, there's a couple of them. Some familiar and unfamiliar faces. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And they've got a no-brainer offer for you guys that'll make you a winner. And it's really simple. Anyone can do it. New customers, this is all you have to do. Bet $1, just one, on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. That's it. The NHL got rid of ties in 05, so someone someone has to light the lamp eventually. It sounds like a guaranteed chance at winning. If Sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet, no worries as well. Anybody, anywhere can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so the teams that are in the playoff race that the Winnipeg Jets need to be worried about. I mean, let's do this first. The teams the Jets don't have to worry about because that's a shorter list. For me, there's three teams right now in the playoff race, and I'm not going to include the, the teams that stink. The Jets don't have to worry about them, but we don't need to waste any time on them. But the team the Jets don't need to worry about when it comes to the playoff race, three of them out in the Pacific. I know they're tied with Anaheim right now, but I'm going to only pick the Vegas Golden Knights just because, you know, we, we've it's crazy to say about an expansion team too, but we've expected this excellence out of them. I think there's no reason for that not to continue, especially with Jack Eichel coming into the fold sometime soon. So while Pencil Vegas is a team not to worry about, I'll also go to Minnesota, who despite losing four straight, I mean, they've been pretty damn good all year long. I think, I don't know if they're going to win the division or not. I don't think so still, but I think they'll be one of the top, at the very least, three teams in the Central, probably top two though. And I'll also give the nod to Colorado, which is funny because they're right on the playoff line right now. But A, they've got the most games in hand. Three on the Jets. I mean, four on the Blues. They've got a ton of hockey still left to play. But it's pretty evident over the last 10 or 15 games, now that everybody's healthy and back in the lineup, that this is a powerhouse. There's no other way to say it. They haven't even gotten goaltending yet this year. They don't have any goaltending. I mean, Kemper, if Kemper starts to get rolling, then Colorado becomes really, really scary. But even if they go 500 with their games in hand, that puts them right back atop the central. And I imagine they're going to be much higher than that. And I think it's only a matter of time before Colorado runs away and hides with the central division. 
hey, if the Jets get into the playoffs, that's great. I don't think they're worried about a division title this year. So those are the three teams the Jets don't have to worry about. So let's take a look at three in the Central and then three in the Pacific that the Winnipeg Jets will be keeping their eyes on moving forward here. Let's start in the division here. And we'll go with the one team, actually, that's below the Jets at the standings right now. The Dallas Stars. One point back of the Jets, and they've got one game in hand. I mean, I almost want to put them in the don't worry about range, but, I mean, just because technically they could pass the Jets if they win, we'll we'll look at them quickly here, but I, I don't know. It's just not... The Dallas Stars haven't been able to recapture that magic in the bubble. You know, since that run, they've been just average. They've been just kind of mediocre for a, a pretty long while now. And I, I don't know if there's any reason why we should expect differently here. And the big thing with Dallas is the offense. I mean, the goaltending surprisingly has been good. It, it hasn't been Bishop and Hudobin like we're used to, but Ottinger and Holtby have given them both 922 save percentages through 25 games between the two of them there. Goaltending has not been the concern whatsoever, but offensively, the former dynamic duo of Ben and Sagan, they're, they're, they just don't have it. And I don't know at, you know, 32 and 29 years old if all of a sudden they're going to find the fountain of youth again midway through the season. I mean, Sagan went through a, a catastrophic injury in the Stars' cup run a few seasons ago, and I, I don't know if he's still or, or will ever recover from that. And Ben, I mean, the offensive production has tailed off in a huge, huge way over the past several seasons now. And outside of the Robertson-Hintz-Pavelski line, they just don't get a lot of scoring from anybody else. So I think Dallas is going to be a pesky team down the stretch, especially if you're getting 922 goaltending. But ultimately, I think they're going to fall short of the playoffs, but still a team that I think Winnipeg kind of has to keep an eye on, but hopefully not for too long. Then you have the two teams above the Jets in the standings tied for second right now, Nashville and St. Louis. You know, I I almost put St. Louis in the don't worry about category because I I don't think the Jets can catch them. I, I maybe the slightest reason why I have St. Louis they're, they're kind of on the edge, but maybe why they're teetering towards uh that's concern, let's keep an eye on them. Maybe the Jets can chase them down is the Blues surprisingly aren't that great in their own end. They give up a ton of chances and they've done so all season long. You know, I I was kind of taken aback when the Jets played the Blues last, actually. And Ryan O'Reilly called Jordan Bennington. I mean, he played great in the game, but he said Jordan Bennington's our best player. And he's been our best player all season long. I, I was just kind of shocked by that. I'm like, I, I don't know, a guy with a 9-10? I don't know if you want that to be your best player. But St. Louis has been bleeding scoring chances all season long. They've really been carried by a potent, opportunistic offense. And great goaltending, but not by the names that you would necessarily think. I'll, I'll explain. And, and Bennington's been solid with the 9-10. I know the 9-10 doesn't look great, but if you look at the, the fancy stats, the, the St. Louis Blues give up a decent amount of chances, and they're actually bottom 10 in the entire NHL for that. But right now, the backup goaltending for St. Louis has been out of this world. And, it, and it's not the names that you would necessarily think that would be carrying the mail for them. But Charlie Lindgren... Is 5-0 with a 9.58 save percentage. Ville Husso is 3-2 with a 9.27 save percentage. Like right there, your backup goaltending is 8-2 with goaltending that would be the best in the entire NHL. I 
don't know how sustainable that is while also giving up high quality chances right so if the backup goaltending comes back down to earth we might see the st louis blues points start to fall through the wayside as well and then you look at the offense. The offense is great. I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon. Although you do wonder, like a guy like Ivan Barbashev, who has never really been known as a major offensive producer, is just under a point a game right now with that great all-Russian line with Buchanevich and Tarasenko. But, I mean, St. Louis's offense, I, I said going into the season, was, I, I thought, completely underrated. And they've proven that point big time here. I mean, even with... Perron and Thomas and Brayden Shen all out of the lineup right now, they score as much as just about anybody else in the NHL. So there, there's, you know, things you can kind of twist and, and point either way if you want to have, you know, if you're a Blues fan and say we're going to be in the playoffs or a Jets fan and say we're going to hunt you down. Um, but the big thing, too, on top of all that is, you know, all season long, St. Louis's work inside their own end, the shot share, the expected goals, all that. That's been bottom 10 in the NHL. So there is a decent chance for some regression there. And if that happens, hey, maybe the St. Louis Blues, maybe they do an opposite of when they won the cup, right? Instead of, <laughs> right, they, they finished last, or they were last when they fired the coach and they go all the way to the championship. Maybe this year, they're up near the top of the division and they fall all the way back and are, are in the mix for a lottery pick. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Jets fans would be okay with that. Uh, but St. Louis, yeah, that that's a, a weird team where... I could definitely see them challenging for a division title or being on the bubble where the Winnipeg Jets right now are looking to get a playoff spot in. The other team of the Central, the final one before we move out west, the Nashville Predators. I, I mentioned it before. To me, the most surprising team in the NHL in a positive way so far this season. I, I just didn't expect it. And when the when the Preds came to Winnipeg, you know, I was in the arena doing some work earlier this season. They were awful. They looked terrible. I was like, this is the end. <laughs> this is the end of the Predators. They're going to blow it up. Forsberg's going to be traded, all this. And Nashville will be rebuilding, and they'll join the Coyotes at the bottom of the division for the next few years. And, you know, funnily enough, since that point, they've completely flipped the switch. They, the next night, they went into Minnesota and beat their brains out. And since then, they, they just kind of carried on going that way. But it's just, you look at the roster... They're kind of like the the anti-St. Louis, which is funny. The Predators, by their process, have been really, really sound all season long. They've been a top 10 Corsi, top 10 expected goals team. So, like, they're doing a lot of things right, and there maybe shouldn't be the regression we're expecting when you look at a team like the St. Louis Blues. And their goaltending's been outstanding. I mean, UC Soros is a superstar. I mean, clear top five goalie in the NHL to me. I still don't know if he gets as much credit as he does. But, you know, he's going to put up pretty much a 924 the rest. That's what he's at right now. Don't be shocked if he's playing like that by the time the end of the season rolls around. He should be getting some legitimate Hart Trophy consideration, even with, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl and all the others going off offensively. But Soros has been nothing short of miraculous for Nashville. So if the process is sound and the goaltending is great, well, then... Why would Nashville fall back at all? And and the big thing is just the fact that their high paid their high paid offensive guys are playing like high paid offensive guys, and I don't know if we should expect that to continue. It's such a weird thing to say, but like, wouldn't you agree? Like Matt Duchesne, all of a sudden, a point a game player on pace for forty goals. Ryan Johansson, all of a sudden, a point a game player again. Mikhail Granlin, all of a sudden, a point a game player. I. I know as a team they've played solid, 
But individually, do you think that Granlin, Duchesne, Johansson at 30, 29, and 29 all of a sudden are back to being point-of-game players moving forward? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know how much of that is necessarily sustainable. I mean, Philip Forsberg's great. He's probably going to be at a point-of-game pace moving forward for the rest of the year. But those other three guys, I don't know. I, I just, I, they have been good in the past, but it's hard for me to buy in that they're going to do it for 82 games. You know what I mean? Like, all the time we see players go through 20, 25-game hot streaks. I would bet on those guys starting to cool off a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I think the point gap between the Predators and Jets is going to tighten and tighten so considerably as we head down the stretch run there. But that's the look of the Central Division, the teams that the Jets need to be concerned about when it comes to the playoff race. We'll bump out to the Pacific now. Three teams as well that the Jets need to be concerned about. We'll start off with the other surprising team in all of hockey right now, the Anaheim Ducks who are at 40 points, seven clear of the Jets. This is going to be the fun thing to watch with Anaheim moving forward the rest of the year is that they've built this cushion, but again, can they maintain this? I, I'm not so sure. I Like, you would think 40 points, why aren't Anaheim in that don't need to worry about conversation? Like, they're seven points up, it's too much of a gap. But there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors when it comes to the Ducks, right? Like, are all their young guys going to continue to play as well as they have the rest of the year? I mean, maybe Zegris is a superstar. Maybe he just keep. He might even get better, for all we know. But, you know, the young guys have been really, really strong. It's tough to predict if they're going to continue that all year long. I mean, Ryan Getzloff at 36 is having a bit of a renaissance year. But again, is he going to be able to play at a high level? Once he gets into, you know, February and March. And then you look at the goaltending again. And Anthony Stolarz, former Flyers prospect, who was basically picked off the scrap heap, has got a 932 save percentage for the Anaheim Ducks. Like, some, sometimes I just, I look at backup goalies and when they've put up these big, big, what seems to be unsustainable numbers, it's hard for me to put a lot of trust into that team. And that's where I kind of have the Anaheim Ducks right now. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's always tough with these young teams where sometimes they can keep this going and they just ascend up and they continue moving forward, playing as well as they have been. But sometimes it's just too much. The season's too much of a grind and they fall back and there's just not a whole lot that they can do about it. So on top of that, too, actually, quickly, the Ducks have played two more games than the Winnipeg Jets right now. So, I mean, hey, you win those two, all of a sudden, four points back, three points, oh, three points back. You win those two games in hand, three points back, it's it's all systems go, baby. So, yeah, the, the Ducks have been great through 32 games. I'm just not totally buying into that just yet. Now, it's funny because the Ducks are at 40 points, and I didn't put them at a team that we don't need to worry about because they're too far ahead of the game. But the team just below them, I wanted to put as a team you don't need to worry about. And that's the Calgary Flames, which is really bizarre to say because the Flames are tied with the Jets. Or sorry, tied with Edmonton and Colorado for the last playoff spots in the West. But Calgary to me has been, they've, I, I still, I'll still go with this. They've been maybe the best team in the West all season long. You know, bit by a bit of a, a slump as of late. And you have to remember, too, they had the big COVID outbreak. So, you know, how much did that play into their recent four-game losing streak? But no team in the NHL has given up fewer chances, fewer goals than the Daryl Sutter-led Calgary Flames. Surprise, surprise. But they've got the performances from their stars as well. Like Johnny Gaudreau 
back to being a 100-point guy, essentially. Kachuk, Lindholm. I mean, Monaghan dropping down to the third line. Calgary's just a really, really well-oiled team. I'm not going to put them in the don't worry about them just yet category, just because, quite simply, they're only three points up on the Winnipeg Jets right now. And with Calgary having, like, what was it, like 15 players in COVID protocol, you just never know with this thing, right? You never know if it impacts these guys and they're just unable to play at the same level they were before. So I'm going to put Calgary as a team the Jets, you know, need to be worried about watching what they're doing. I do ultimately think that we see Calgary push past Anaheim and they're firmly in second spot in the Pacific Division. Now we'll look at the final team that the Winnipeg Jets have to worry about, and boy, oh boy, would this be a hell of a race down the stretch if it came down to it. But that's the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers, thankfully for them, they won two in a row because before that, they were just 2-8 and eight in their last 10. A quick start, then a huge slump, and now they're right back onto the playoff bubble where they've kind of uncomfortably been for the past few seasons. We all know the thing with the Oilers, though, right? Like, you know, they made all these changes and additions in the offseason, but it's the same damn team they've been for four seasons. You have the two best offensive players on the planet, and nothing after that. There's Edmonton. Like, that, that's it. They, I mean, they, they have okay goaltending. When you look at Mike Smith and, and Stuart Skinner, I mean, Skinner's been a godsend for them since Smith went down. If, if he was... I mean, if his level of play was anything less than that, Edmonton would be in really, really big trouble. But Edmonton, again, gets absolutely nothing from their bottom six. And it's gotten worse this year. They've actually gotten less production. Even though they've made additions, they've gotten less production from the bottom six this year as opposed to the past several seasons. So, I I, I don't know. The, The Oilers are just such a tough team to get a read on because... McDavid and Dreisaitl alone probably gets you into the playoffs, I think, right? Like, they they just need a touch of help, and they're going to find a way to get in. The thing that scares me the most about Edmonton, outside of, obviously, McDavid and Dreisaitl, is just that there is so much pressure and urgency on Edmonton to get into the playoffs and go on a run. I know the Jets have a ton of pressure as well, but, I mean, we've already seen a head coaching change, right? Like there, there's already been some some damage to the organization because they haven't lived up to expectations 30 games in. There are GM jobs potentially and certainly coaching jobs on the line with the Edmonton Oilers. And the reason that scares me so much is that sometimes you see GMs make crazy trades that hurt the team in the future, but help them in the short term. You know what I mean? And I, I could definitely see Ken Holland kind of going for broke, picking up a couple of huge pieces And if it's between a team like the Oilers and the Jets for that last playoff spot, oh man, you just really don't want Edmonton to grab a big piece or two to go beside McDavid and Dreisaitl and potentially push Winnipeg out of a playoff spot. So there it is. 30 games into the season, this is where the Winnipeg Jets are. It's definitely not where people anticipated the Jets to sit, you know, when the puck dropped on the season. Certainly not after the first 10 games, the best start in franchise history. But it's where they are right now. And 30%, 35% playoff odds, it doesn't sound all that great. But I'll I'll leave with some positivity and some optimism, you know, headed into the end of the episode here, headed into the holiday weekend, everything like that. There's a few reasons why I think the Jets can find themselves back into this. The first is the coaching change. And this isn't an an anti-Maurice thing or anything like that. 
But just how many times in hockey have we seen a team change coaches mid-season and that's the spark they need to get back to where everybody thought they might be going into the year? It's, I mean, the, the examples, I'm not even going to look at the teams that have won the Cup necessarily, but just teams that have done it and have gone on to, to, to reach the playoffs, to have success in the last stretch of the year. There's just countless examples of that being exactly the kick of the ass they need to get things going. The Winnipeg Jets did that over the past week or so. So so that's one there. The second one is actually the fact that, you know, it, it sucks as hockey fans, but no NHL is going to the Olympics. That, in honesty, might might be a blessing in disguise for the Jets because Connor Hellebuck won't be playing extra games out there in Beijing. Kyle Connor will be heading out there. Mark Shifley, who was on the bubble, won't be heading out there as well. Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, the Jets were, uh, you know, in an odd way, sending a lot of their impact players to the Olympics. There weren't going to be a lot of teams in the playoff bubble that were going to be doing that, especially one as someone as important as Connor Hellebuck, right? And the, and the potential for, you know, a four- or a five-week quarantine, if he tested positive out there in China, none of that needs to be worried about now. And on top of it, you know, the workload for Carter Hellebuck can kind of be intensified moving forward here because you don't have to worry about the travel and the extra games added from going out there to the Olympics. So, sucks as a hockey fan, but for a Jets fan, it actually, I, I think, might work out pretty well for them by the time that April rolls around. The final thing, too, is just the fact that when you look at the teams the Jets are chasing, the teams that I mentioned they need to be most concerned about in the playoff race, they're not great teams, right? Like that, that's the one great thing. You know, the level of parity in the NHL is, again, each year it gets higher and higher, and there's just not that much separation between them and the Winnipeg Jets. And you could even make the case, if you wanted to, that the Jets are, are just as or even more talented than all the teams that I mentioned earlier as clubs they need to be concerned about, right? So they're not chasing down the Colorado Avalanche, and the Vegas Golden Knights for a playoff spot. You know what I mean? Like, that that's not the mountain they need to climb. You don't need a Colorado or a Vegas to play 500 hockey moving forward. That's, that's the positive thing here. You can chase down a Nashville or an Anaheim or an Edmonton, right? Like, some of these potentially really flawed teams if you start playing hockey the way the Winnipeg Jets were earlier on in the season. So, three points, four points, five points, whatever it may be, by the time the Winnipeg Jets get back onto the ice, it's doable. That's that's the main thing. It may not be the biggest slice of optimism pie that you were hoping for at the end of this, but it is doable. And, and the, I, like I mentioned earlier, the next 10 games are so, so critical. And if the Jets can go 7-1-2, and two, eight, you know, something along those lines, they're going to find themselves right back in this right as they hit the halfway point of the season. So... Get off to a quick start, and who knows when they play or where they play next, but you get off to a quick start, and maybe 2022 can give everybody a bit of positivity moving forward. That's going to do it for the episode here. We're going to be back on Tuesday talking about, I, I don't know yet. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see when and if the Winnipeg Jets play. But until then, happy holidays, everybody. Have a great time with friends, family in-person, virtual, whatever it is, just stay safe. Crazy times, but let's all try to have a really, really good holiday weekend and a holiday season overall. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
I'm your host, Brandon Verwicky. Again, happy holidays, everybody. Peace.